This show was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Just a heads up, there are a couple of swear words in this episode. <laughs> We're sorry, but Ivan is a comedian and he lives in Australia, so he really can't help it. Before we start today, I want to set the scene for you. Imagine you're a new migrant to Australia, taking a trip to the outback. You haven't been here long, and you are thirsty. Wouldn't it be great to venture into the local pub in a proper country town and order an ice-cold beer? G'day, mate. It is bloody getting out of hand out there. Oh, digger, pull up a pew. Righto, mate, righto. Yeah, look, you know, I'm definitely heading up the bar before I miss the boat. Is there still cats and dogs out there? Mate, it's, uh, it's absolutely pissing it down out there, all right? But uh, I suppose, you know, silver lining, excuse to uh, pop in here, have a couple of Victor Bravos. Ah, better late than never. Absolutely, mate. Yep, Australia is a strange place indeed. What the heck are they talking about? Bad English with your host, Ivan Aristegueta. Hola, my name is Ivan Aristegueta. I'm from Venezuela. I live in Australia. And when I'm not making podcasts, I'm a stand-up comedian. Welcome to Bad English, where the English language is sent to court, judge, hung, drawn and quartered for all its literal crimes. And that's relevant to this episode's special guest who works as a criminal lawyer. But his big, big story stars as a child soldier in Sudan. Because say I'm a fair dinkum dinka. <laughs> because I'm dinka. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, exactly, so, you're, you're a dinka, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a fair dinkum dinka. That's, I love that. Yeah. Deng Adut learn his English via the Wiggles and by reading the Bible. Honestly, he's really lived some kind of life. But he might be tested beyond his limits on today's show because we're going to try to unpack Australia's love of idioms and slang. Don't worry, our English teacher Eileen Bogan will be standing by with a stretcher. Okay, smarty pants, I can hear you giggling. But maybe... This will wipe the smirk from your face. Do you know the meaning of the word sesquipedalian? It's a 14-letter word. It's a long word. And that is its meaning. Sesquipedalian means long word. Long word is made of two four-letter words. And two short words don't make a long one. You need a long word to name long words, sesquipedalian. Good one. I myself have a sesquipedalian surname, Aristegueta, that has 12 letters. How many letters does a word have to have to qualify as sesquipedalian? I couldn't find it on the web. I was discombobulated with the tergiversation of the web on this matter. I got anxious, but not to the point of experiencing trichotillomania. You know what I'm saying? Although I don't have any 
plenipotentiary authority, I'm going to say that more than four syllables is enough to rank a word as cisquipedalian. Have I been saying too many long words? Well, if you feel a bit apprehensive every time you listen to a long word, you might suffer from hypopotomonstrosesquipedeliophobia. Are you going to make me say it again? No, 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 no way. That was such a good take. <laughs> That's an official 35-letter word that means fear of long words. It's such an obscure word that not even my autocorrect in my computer recognized it. I was utterly flabbergasted. Some people are afraid of long words, but some people think that long words are actually fun. Like myself. Or Mary Poppins. Remember? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. FYI, my autocorrect did recognize that word and helped me spell it correctly. I was so excited about it. I thought I was, well... Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious kind of moment. The longest word in the English language is the name of a chemical compound with nearly, listen to this, nearly 200 letters. Let's hear it. Methanyl, trianyl, trianyl, glutaminyl, arginyl, tyrosyl, glutamyl, cyril, lithyl, phenylalanyl, alanyl, glutaminyl, lithyl, lysyl, glutamyl, arginyl, lysyl, glutamyl, glycyl, alanyl, phenylalanyl, valyl, pralyl, phenylalanyl, valyl, trianyl, lithyl, glycyl, aspartyl, pralyl, glycyl, lithyl. Yep, that, okay, that's enough, that's enough. This goes for over four hours. Doesn't make any sense to me. This word is super discombobulating atriocious. It's a terrible word. Do you have any aversion for words? How about this one? <laughs> yes, I just said a word. I don't know how to say it, but it's this word. I hate it so much because it's only made up with vowels. It's just vowels. It's, uh, let me spell it for you. E-U-O-U-A-E. It's a sequence of tones in medieval music. So only dead people will use it. So thank the Buddha. No one have to say, hey, wait, wait, wait. When I try to say that word, it makes me sound like my 90-year-old grandma after a root canal treatment. Okay, let's get serious. Enough of that. Our guest today is the one and only Deng Tiak Adut. He's a South Sudanese-Australian criminal lawyer and refugee advocate. Also, 2017 New South Wales Australian of the Year. Many of you might know his name from back in 2015, when a video about his life story went totally viral. His journey from child soldier to award-winning lawyer is awe-inspiring, to say the least. Deng, welcome to Bad English. How are you, brother? I am great, thank you. How are you, brother? I'm very, very well. Very, very well. Deng, in this uh, podcast, we always start with the same question. What languages do you speak and how many languages do you speak? Uh, well, I speak Dinka, that's my dialect. Yeah. I speak Shuluk, that's closer to Dinka. I yep. speak Nuer a little bit, and that is very close to Dinka. But I do read all of them, I know how to read and write, both uh, Chuluk and Nuer. I also um, know a little bit of Arabic. I speak Arabic, and of course, um, the two types of Arabics 
There is a Juba Arabic and there is a Sudanese Arabic. I do speak those languages. Wow. And I speak a bit of Daposa. Yeah. And Daposa. so those are the languages that I know. Plus English, of course. Oh, yeah. English. <laughs> so yeah. that's one, two, three, four, five, six, and English, that will be seven. Yeah. You are a polyglot. That's, that's <laughs> not close. <laughs> you are a polyglot. I think by definition, if you speak, I think more than three, you're already a polyglot. I think I am not. And I have so much respect for you. You uh, came from Venezuela, right? <laughs> yes, I am from Venezuela. I speak Spanish. It's, that's my first language. Uh, and, and you speak um, English and you speak Australian as well, do you? <laughs> yeah, I speak yeah. Australian, mate. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot Australian. <laughs> it's a different language. It's a different language that you don't need that Completely many. Completely different. Yes. You don't need that many words in Australian. In English, you need a lot of words. In Australian, for example, here in this country, people can explain anything just by using three words. The economy <laughs> of words. They say, these are the three words. Fucking, you know. So anything explained with fucking, you know. Like, how do you cook this chicken? Fucking, you know, right? <laughs> How do you... You are I, truly a comedian. <laughs> how do you... Thank you. Thank you. Like, how do you how do you become a criminal lawyer? Well, I just got a union then, fucking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack, yeah. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to your story. You have yeah. an incredible, incredible story. A story that a lot of people should know about. Can you tell us in summary with the main points of your story? I was born in Sudan, Republic of South Sudan now. And I was born in 83. And that was exactly the year the war broke out between rebel, uh, which is Sudan People of Region Army, and the Northern Islamic regime. Yeah. So from there, um, I was forcefully removed from my, uh, my mother because my father died when I was two years old. So mom didn't have any choice, and we basically had to walk for 3,000 plus miles to Ethiopia. There were a lot of children that were with me, and uh, we settled in a place called Penyundu. The purpose of us going there, most of us were deceived that we were going to be educated in some way or yeah. another. And uh, while in Ethiopia, we were Train. We went through military training. How old were you at the time? I was six when I was conscripted into the army. Wow. And then uh, we ended up running away from Ethiopia because of the war uh, between Eritrea and Ethiopia in 1991. And we tried to get back to South Sudan. Unfortunately, there was a war that already outbreak in South Sudan between the SPLA itself. There was a genocide in my village, so we couldn't come back to South Sudan. I tried to run away. I tried to come back and see my mom. Yeah. And um, it didn't happen. So I ended up in Eastern Equatoria. And in 1992, 93, I undertake my military training completed. And I was issued a gun. I was involved in a war and sustained a lot of bullets and shrapnel. One bullet, I actually brought it here to Australia. It was taken out of my back. Wow. And um, yeah, so... Then my brother, who I lost many, many years back then because he was a child soldier. Because of my name, names are very important to Dinka. And of course, I do remember my genealogy in top of my head. So 
because of the name, uh, my brother was able to track me down. And of course, we don't have a written record in Dinka where you can basically say, oh, this person I can trace by using a paperwork, but you can be traced using your name. So that is how he found me. And um, he smuggled me out of the army on the back of the trucks. And we arrived in Kenya in 1996. And that's when I become a refugee officially. How old were you at the 14? Uh, yeah, I was, I was 14. And then John, my brother, decided that we got to go. And because he was politically active and he was tortured at a certain point by the army. Mm-hmm. So they basically tried to murder him and he, he refused to die. So, yeah, and we then left Kenya for Australia. And that was June 26, 1998. That's when we arrived here. I was uh, 15. 15. Wow. And what, yep. a, what a harrowing journey. Yep. Um, and that's, that's basically the beginning of my new life in Australia. So when do you get in contact and found your mom? It's not 2003. That's when my brother returned back to South Sudan because my mom, she was told that I was dead. And my brother, after we came here, my brother had to go and actually tell her in person because there's no way, way of communication in terms of telephone. There was no telephone. Uh, she even had my imaginary grave of tombs next to my father because uh, we don't get buried in, in cemetery. We are buried next to our family or to yeah. the land that you are connected to. She made a ceremony assuming that I was dead. I wasn't. So 2003, that's when my brother went to Africa and found my mom and told my mom, Deng is alive. And we then talked on the phone and she was happy. And then subsequently, I went there. I went there in 2005. I went and visited my mom in person. Oh, my God. Yep. And, and, you, yeah, were, and you were 22, 21? Yep. And she basically, literally, she sent me on a lapse. <laughs> of course. She sent me on a lapse. <laughs> and, yeah, I could feel all her veins, it was all her muscle, all the injuries that she suffered during the war. But at last, uh, we were just crying with joy. And, of course. And, and, yeah, and met my little brother there and my sister as well. So it was good, good reunion. Wow, to, what a be beautiful back, moment. To be back there, yes. Oh yeah, she's she's amazing. What were your first impressions of of Australia at the time? Australia was magical and still magical today. Look, when I first came here, um, it was the first time that I ever slept on a mattress or having my own bed or even um, having a TV uh, in the house. The buildings were magical, everything was magical, mind-blowing, because compared to Kenya where I was there in a refugee camp, uh, yeah. you could, you, you can't compare, it, there's no comparison. I couldn't read and write, couldn't understand a single word of English. I went to a high school in Blackland called Evans High School for one day, and I didn't understand anything. So I quit. I didn't want to do anything at all. In fact, I wanted to leave Australia. And <laughs> I wanted to leave Australia, but my brother told me to be patient. Yeah. Just be patient. You're not, you're not stupid. You're not dumb. Who were you living with at the time? I was living with my brother, John, 
yeah. and his wife Elizabeth okay. and my nephew Joshua. And Joshua, he was two years old. He's the one that introduced me to English language because he used to watch Wiggle. Yeah. And wow. I started watching Wiggle with him and pretty much I would start repeating what Wiggle said. Yes. And uh, sing along <laughs> with Wiggles. And then from there, uh, it became almost easy because George was too young to tell me that I was stupid, you know, in learning a new language. And <laughs> and so I think George was the best person um, that actually helped me in being able to learn English. So I learned English through Wiggles. And then my brother enrolled me at Blacktown TAFE did English course there. Then I think I was introduced to a church by my brother and I was given a, a Bible by a friend of mine. It was easy to read. John was reading it and I read it along with him. And so it was just a bit of um, assistance from John from reading the Bible. Yeah. That's how I end up learning English. But most of my learning uh, were, uh, I think were aided by by getting, uh, I got a job at BP petrol station. So you need to have a conversation with other people. Yeah. And when you do that, you will learn uh, from from those people. So I normally go to work with my dictionary and carry my dictionary along. And every time somebody come and say something to me, and then I write it out. And when it is quiet, I look up the words. Great. Sometimes they bad customers, yeah. and sometimes they say bad words that um, um, that you shouldn't even say to yes. anyone. Yeah. But they do. I often look up the words, and, and sometimes um, make. Sometimes I just feel like uh, no, I wish I didn't write those words down <laughs> uh, because I looked them up and they were not good. So by looking at dictionary and reading it a little bit, I mastered English. Let's keep talking about our amazing, amazing story. How do you jump from learning English, working in a petrol station, to having a successful career as a defense lawyer? Well, I initially wanted to to study environmental science, but my brother, because we never get along, we always argue. I always argue with him, but my arguments are always fair. So he said, look, you can get into law, study law, and I said, but I don't want to be a lawyer. And then he said, just study it. I think you will be good at it. Actually, I didn't, I didn't accept my brother's advice initially. I applied to Macquarie University to do science. And there was a professor from Macquarie University who were basically using that pseudoscience to accuse people of African appearance, especially sub-Saharan African uh, he believed them to have a low IQ, and I don't know where did he get get his information from. So I think that was a pseudoscience. That made me angry, yeah. and I didn't want to go to Macquarie University. And yeah. instead, I take an option to get to Western Sydney, and I was accepted into law. And there I studied my law degree and completed my law degree, and went on and did uh, my master's in criminal prosecution and criminal defence at um, University of Wollongong. So you finished law school and yeah. and then you became uh, a criminal yeah. lawyer. A criminal defence lawyer. 
but law school there's a lot, a lot of like there's like Latin and and Greek mm. when you study mm. law and and the language like this it's like a whole different language when yes. you study law. You can add law talk in your big list of languages that you speak. <laughs> oh yes, true, true. Law is actually have a different language.、Um, even how you use the words, they mean different things in law. So it was a bit hard for me. To study law, but had a good、um, memory.、Uh, my memories are quite sharp, and also、uh, I had resilient. I'm very resilient in coming to learning and, and new things. I I put an effort in, so I study seven days a week. I I tell you, my there was no single day in my life that I don't read. So I read daily and just basically practice as、yep. I go. So yeah, it was 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 hard. A lot of words. Are in Latin and they're not in English, and、yeah. that's why I, I think I, I did say that English is a vampire in a lot of sense because you, it take from a Latin, it take from Italian, it take from Spanish, it take from <laughs> from、uh, from Welsh, it take from German, yes, and it take from other language. For, I prefer to call it a mosquito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think the word mosquito is fit very well. <laughs> Well, you know that here in bad English, there's an opportunity for us foreigners who speak English as second language. For you, it's not a second language; it's English as ninth language.、Um, <laughs> uh, we have an English expert that is a friend of our show.、Uh, her name is Eileen Bagan. Eileen, welcome to the show, and let me introduce you to Deng. Hi, Deng. Hey,、nice、Eileen. How are you? So,、um, Deng describes English as a vampire language or a mosquito language. Ah, a mozzie. Mozzie, yeah. yeah. Mozzie. <laughs> we got the we got the Australian lingo now. That Aussie, <laughs>、yes. definitely Aussie. That's very Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. So, so Deng knows law slang. <laughs> yeah, which I don't. <laughs> But、oh. there's Australian slang as well. Well, I was going to talk about idioms today. Okay.、Yeah. Um, because idioms are really a category of phrases, a group of words that have a different meaning. Yes, from their individual literal meanings, so、Correct. they're very hard to learn or decipher. You kind of have to learn the phrase as it is、yep. and the meaning with it, and、yep. nothing makes sense. So you just have to learn. <laughs> nothing <laughs> makes sense. Like for me,、uh, lately, like when you're sick, you say in Australia, "Oh, I'm a little bit under the weather." Like everybody's、yeah. under the weather. The weather is above us. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 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 What the hell? <laughs> exactly.、Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but I guess idioms. I mean, every language has their own idioms. Yes.、Um, but in English, we have over twenty-five thousand idioms. So、oh, wow. really, literally impossible for us to learn them all. Even me and. Idioms come and go as well. So you've got old idioms that people don't use anymore, and the younger generation, or you、yeah. know, whoever creates、mm. new idioms that、yeah. become popular and used. So it's、yeah. it's a very interesting part of the language that even I learn, you know, from day to day kind of thing. So、uh, I'll give you an example of an idiom. It's a dog's breakfast. Have you heard that one? No. <laughs> Have you, Dang? No. No. So, What's the meaning of that? So, but, 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 but we can catch that before you tell us <laughs>、okay. what it is. Let's、okay. think about it. What do you think is a dog's breakfast for you, Deng? Um, the word dogs um always got a bad rap. Yeah, <laughs> tied to it. it. There's nothing pretty about it. Yeah. <laughs> about, okay. That's great. About a dog. It's a dog.、Yeah. So it's a dog breakfast.、Uh, I I think it's nothing pretty about that breakfast at all. Exactly. It's, it's, Yeah, yeah, you're so intuitive because idioms 
just paint a humorous mental picture for mm. people, I think. And it really adds a lot of richness to the language. And so exactly what you said, a dog's breakfast, it's, there's nothing pretty about it. So it, when a situation is a bit of a mess... Yeah. Or, you know, it's a bit of a shambles or mm. a mishmash. Ah. So you might say, oh, you know, the situation is a dog's breakfast. So it's, it's a big mess, you know? Okay. I like that one. Because yeah, yeah. I was thinking more like, it's a dog's breakfast. It's like like, like a walk in the park. <laughs> oh, it's like simple. something. Right. It sounds like a walk in the park. But, yeah, that makes but, sense too. But yeah. dog, <laughs> I, think, I, I think dog sometimes is not a negative thing. Because uh, yeah, when everything is easy. Yeah. Or you're a mad dog. <laughs> a mad dog yeah. is like you're a you're, cool person i think dogs get a bit alive than than i do they're well fed uh, <laughs> and and not like me you know so i think uh, yeah it's, so a dog's it's, breakfast should be something amazing <laughs> it should be something amazing for me it would be something amazing <laughs> well i was thinking maybe we could do a little quick quiz are you yeah, up for I'll, it ding yeah yeah me too let's do it <laughs> okay so i was gonna say Um, some sentences with an idiom in it and yep. see if you can catch the meaning. We'll start okay. simple, yeah? So if uh, you were to say, I'm off the clock now, see you tomorrow. Off the clock now, see you tomorrow. It's almost, um, I think I can guess the meaning. Yeah. Um, um, maybe you work overtime and you say goodbye to somebody. Yeah. And so when yeah. your your work time officially ends... Mm. You're off the clock. Off the clock. Yeah, you're off the clock. On the clock, I guess, working hours and off the yeah. clock. You know, five o'clock, I'm off the clock, off. so don't talk to me. You know? Oh, my God. Is it the, the, the word off, O-F-F. Oh, dear, yeah. I have so much yeah. struggle. There's, you can add got, that to anything, really. Like, the alarm clock went off. Mm-hmm. Off means yeah. switched on. And, you know, if something's going off, it's really, really good. Like, you should have been there as soon as we turned the music on, the party mm. went off. Like, yeah, exactly. you turned the music on and the party went off. What happened to the party? Did the party oh, the, went off or the party went on? The party exactly. went off. That's when you switch it on. Yeah. Yeah, when it is good, yes. Yeah, you see how confusing it is. It is very yeah, confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, any, any more uh, idioms? I love this. I'm how loving this about, game. Um, mm. today's verdict was a slap on the wrist. A slap on the wrist. That sounds like a court case. Yeah, yeah. that's for you, Ding. <laughs> it's yeah, straightforward. Like, um, uh, How do you basically feel the verdict Basically, when somebody got off easily, <laughs> or the magistrate or the judge actually yeah. say, all right, for your punishment, you know, instead of going to jail, you see, community you can service. do community service. Exactly. Or oh. uh, you get some sort of bone and... When you say the slap of the wrist is a complaint by somebody who said this is slap of the wrist because yeah. there was nothing that was done It's, uh, yeah. perfectly. It was just okay. got away. Hardly punished at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, been punished well. I'm learning. Well, we can move on to colloquialisms or Australianisms. They okay. could be a bit more interesting maybe. As you know, like with a lot of Australian words, we add O to the yeah. ends yeah. of words because yeah. why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The servo. So like, yeah, servo, smoko. Yeah. Yeah. Bottle-o. So, yeah. Okay, so you, you got those down. <laughs> yeah. And what's an ambo? What? Ambulance. Yeah. An ambo is an it. ambulance. Okay. Oh, yeah. rego. 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 Registration. Yeah, registration, yeah. Yeah. And uh, arvo. Arvo for... Afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and the other why thing, do we add O's? That's a question. Yeah. 
I don't know, just because. <laughs> just, because. just because, just because, just because we are Australian, just because we are Aussie. I told you before. Yes, Australian, Australian, a different type of English. It's a different language. You're so right. The thing. other thing we love to do is we love to shorten words. So, yeah, somebody called me before Deno. Deno. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I'm Deng. Yeah. Same number of syllables. Why bother with the O? <laughs> There's a G there. No, yeah. 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 Then. But, um, you know, shortening the word. So, you know how mosquito, I was saying mozzie before. Yeah, mozzie. Yeah. So, what do we say for breakfast? Brekkie. Yeah. And what about McDonald's? Maccas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about a chocolate biscuit? Of um, Chucky Bicky. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Chucky Bicky. You got all the basics. Mm-hmm. What about tracksuit pants? Those are trackies. Yeah, or trackidax. Trackidax. <laughs> the hard ones, I guess, are um, colloquialisms that you mainly find in Australia, not anywhere else. Mm. Do you use Dunny? A Lou? Dunny. Yeah, the Dunny mate. Got it, yeah. Dunny. The the, the 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 loo that was that was a new one when I arrived to Australia, I was like, what's yeah, the I loo? About it, yeah. yeah, what's the loo? Exactly, the toilet <laughs> is the loo. Mm-hmm. Or togs, togs and bathers and swimmers and yeah, budgie smugglers. But <laughs> <laughs> Tony Albert used to wear that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And uh, uh, thongs and flip flops and uh, yeah, which have different meanings in America. Yeah. You just have to learn them. <laughs> I'm gonna keep bringing uh, this. This is mm. I don't know if if any of this is gonna come out because it's too rude. But um, there's so many. Like one day I was with an Australian friend. We were going to a very early meeting, and he was like, "Oh, mate, I need a punch in the dick." And I was like, "What's that?" And, and what did you say? Oh, it means I need something to wake me up, like a coffee. Like I don't need a punch in the dick to wake. I just need a tickle. Just a tickle. Uh. I think that half of these, I reckon they're just made up, you know, and they see how they fly and then they, and if it catches on, it catches on. Um, I totally agree with you. Like uh, a shin wag. Oh, we're just having a... A chin wag? A chin, a chin wag in a shin dig. <laughs> <laughs> What's the meaning of that, Dick? Do you know what a chin wag in a shin dig is? No. The chin wag, I've learned that chin, of course, chin is that part of your face. But yeah. yeah. And then when you're wagging your chin is because you're talking, right? Yeah. So you have a chat, you have a chin wag. And then a shin dig is like, um, mm. like a gathering, a like, gathering a little, yeah. like a little party. And I don't know why, but maybe because your shin, is, you're digging your <laughs> shin in the floor because you're dancing. I don't know, but it's a gathering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a chin, having a chin wag and a I'll shin dig. I'll let that pass. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly wax my shins. <laughs> well, it's it, another word too, which is actually another colloquial that we use in our everyday, nearly everyday as lawyers. Uh, call cues, you normally call it coeys. What's a coey? Coey is it's somebody who is your um, who assume two people were accused of crime or three or four of them. Oh, they become really? call cues. Uh, oh, yeah. well, that I makes think sense. Um, I think I've learned a new word today. I, I think the three of us are um, co-accused of destroying the English language today. <laughs> and now we are co We are co <laughs> forever. 
A massive thanks to Deng Tiak Adut. And of course to Eileen Bogan for helping make Bad English better. Thanks for listening to Bad English. Don't forget to tell your friends, subscribe or follow us. And if you know someone who is still learning English and might need some help, go and check out Eileen's mini podcast, Bad English Made Better. It's shorter, a bit slower and full of tips and tricks for the intermediate or medium level learners. The grab you heard at the start of the show with the Aussie blogs in the pub, that was a slice of another very fine SBS podcast dealing with language. It's called The Idiom. Don't just take my word for it. Take a listen to this. Oh, jeez, it's raining cats and dogs out there. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's raining heavily, mate. Ah, oh, in Turkish, we would say bardaktan boşanır cısına yağıyor, which means it's raining like the water is divorcing the glass. This is The Idiom, a podcast where we explore and investigate weird and wonderful language from around the world. Oi, quien pidió pollo? Oi, who are the chicken? I'm your host, Rune, and on The Idiom, we will chat with language professionals, native speakers, cultural experts, and self-professed language nerds from all around Australia to find out how our words shape the world around us. And I was just flat out like a lizard drinking. Another day in paradise. See you later, alligator. Idioms fill a very special role in society. We often see idioms creep up around sensitive topics, taboo topics. Let's not beat around the bush. Idioms are a form of storytelling. It's like a mini poem. Mmm, chor ki dadi nitinka. Mora suranavessa. You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. So get off the fence and break a leg. Listen to The Idiom, a podcast for the curious language learner, the culturally interested, and all of us who enjoy a properly used rude word. Okay, well, in French we would say, il pleut comme vache qui pisse, and that's pretty much saying, it's raining like a pissing cow. I'm your host, Rune Pedersen. Listen to The Idiom on the SBS Audio app, website, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Bad English is a production of Ear Candy Media for SBS Audio. Our producer is Bez Zode. Sound design and edit Tiffany Dimmock. Executive producer Ian Walker. The podcast's manager at SBS Audio is Caroline Gates. Thanks to Joel Supple and the SBS Audio team. I'm Ivan Aristegueta. Adios. It's been a lot of fun. You beauty.